0: episode of nickel city soundtrack in this episode we interviewed chris murphy also known as sweeper chris has been going to shows and been in bands as long as i've known him and that's over 25 years so chris has been in bands such as uh, ceasefire lockjaw devil's advocate uh face the panic Wrong, the oppressor, amongst others. uh, uh me and Chris have lived together twice, so we have a long history of <laughs> being together and stuff. Chris was also ah uh, was also on a famous uh, TV show that I think is still on, but I'm not sure it's still on. So, well, he'll tell you the story about that as uh as uh, we go through and interview him. So, check this out. Sweeper's cool. Sweeper's been around forever, and Sweeper's got some good stories. So. Check this out, and we will see you on the next one. Peace. Why are you called Sweeper? Oh, you know, because I
1: sweep all the ladies off my feet.
0: Welcome to the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack. This might, be one of the, this might be one of the first ones we're doing without Chris, right? There have been a couple, but Maybe. yeah, most of them is for sure. Chris is busy uh, saving the world through movies. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark, and I'm here.
2: Hi, I'm Eric. Alex, also present.
0: And we are interviewing the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> the... Marks. The sweeper, one of the few nicknames that's that's endured for over thirty years. Pretty close the sweeper. There's no other nicknames that long.
2: Yeah, um, not really.
1: That don't go to shows anymore. I still call like the liberator, the liberator, but
0: but he hasn't been to a show in. Yeah, I haven't
2: seen him in forever. Ages. The nickname dark thriller Mark Miller died with Doug Luke. I guess so. I guess it did. R.I.P. Doug Luke.
3: you <laughs> 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 I'm I'm, like, I'm racking my brain for another nickname that's been around, but I can't think of any.
0: Yeah, there aren't. I mean, as far as nicknames that have endured the test of time and been around, no, none. No.
1: guess special.
0: The Ranger. The Ranger. Well, he's not Yeah, around. the Ranger. Yeah, yeah, show?
1: no. He shows up here and there, like yeah. an obituary place here. I think he yeah. lives in
3: California now, so. Oh, really? Yeah
0: yeah did not know that that's cool good for Compton. good for good for the ranger whose he's like name the only is person,
2: yeah he's the only person more uh more mysterious than joe garlip so yeah definitely but is Joe really
0: mysterious I feel like you know what Joe is all about
1: yeah he's, <laughs> he's kind of hard to pin down sometimes i know
0: what you're saying but he, he, I know you know what Joe Growlitz all about.
1: Yeah, Ranger Ranger, on top of the fact that he's got beef with me yeah. for whatever. some shit that happened twenty five years ago. Um, he he just never really talked much. So I mean you never knew what the hell was going on in his head.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird, weird, weird incident. I was about three feet from it. Yeah, tell me about it. <sighs> <laughs> Let's
0: get off of that. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, you know, no big deal. So sweeper how did you first find hardcore um
1: good question i, I got it kind of got into i guess the beastie boys license it was kind of the the first record i'm not saying that's a hardcore record by any means mm. but kind of started me down the path of like um stuff that a annoyed my parents b was a little bit different than what you were hearing on the radio and it, it just kind of you know opened my ears to a different sound i suppose Um, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea at the time that they were in fact, an old hardcore band. So I guess like finding hardcore through them eventually makes a little bit of sense, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, after that, um, through skating and stuff, I would get some of the Thrasher, uh, skate jam cassettes, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: liked a lot of that stuff. And then I, you know, this was all well before I even went to a show. And then Mm -hmm. when I did finally go to a show, uh, through IND and the lockport, scene that kind of got, you know, got my foot in the door mm. and, uh, snowball from there for better or worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. What was your first show? I have no idea. Yeah.
1: I don't remember who played the first show that I remember was that slugfest Jonestown field strip, uh, moment of truth and IND at Kenzie's nice. um, just like just about every other Lockport kid around my age. Um, but yeah. I, am pretty sure and it, if you had asked me if we had done this interview 15 years ago, I'd, I'd remember better, but, um, it's all starting to blend together now, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I went to a few shows in basements or whatever in Lockport before that.
0: Yeah. Did Larry ever have shows in his basement? Is that ever I think.
1: No, Joe Kseni,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's one of the shows that I think was before that Kenzie show.
4: Mm-hmm. There was
1: a, a show in Joe Kseni's basement. He did two there that I remember. -hmm. One was like kind of infamous, so it was Slugfest, Chokehold, Mm -hmm. but maybe Chokehold, but definitely Bloodlet and Conviction Mm -hmm. played. So I mean that show was incredible. Yeah, and then before that they had it was like Ind, the Lockport Contempt, because there was one from Rochester also, uh, Lockport Contempt, and a a band called Fleece Stem that later turned into Redline.
0: Who from so redline was, pretty, was in that
1: band it was the same band as far as i'm aware they just changed their name because for obvious reasons
0: <laughs> that <police> them <laughs> yeah, it was terrible That is pretty bad but it's definitely a high school punk band name i don't know you should i'll
1: dig out the flyer sometime it it almost looks like Jizz, like the, the logo that they came up with was, <laughs> uh, you know most most all those those redline dudes are around my age so i mean we're talking yeah. they, they were like 14 15 years old so Yeah, you know, finding their way,
0: yeah. Freaking lockport lockport was very integral into that scene at that time. Yeah, it was weird. There was, I remember, like, when I met a lot of the older Buffalo
1: dudes later on, like Vogel and whoever, Mm -hmm. they would always everybody like, oh, fucking lockport so far away. I mean, if it wasn't for me, I probably wouldn't have found the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah,
0: lockport was like from where I, I was even, I was in Amherst and like Lockport was still like a
1: like yeah, a 20 25 minutes
0: yeah up on I the I just drove uh, from there. Yeah, hanging out with the parents.
1: Yeah, they got a new bedroom furniture set. I had to help my he didn't trust the fucking movers to to move the furniture up into the bedroom, so I had to carry the old stuff down and the new stuff up.
0: They had you had
2: movers.
1: They had movers, yeah. <laughs> that,
0: that that should have been their job.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> I got some so pizza weird. out of the deal, so.
2: You can take you to Reeds or anything.
1: No, Sonny's Pizza.
0: Is that good Lockport Pizza?
1: I like it. I worked there for a couple of years when I was in high school, so. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, you know. Since you are talking about pizza, what, what's your favorite Buffalo pizza or Lockport pizza? <laughs> Lockport Pizza, Sunny's. Yeah.
1: But I'm a little biased, you know. Like I said, because I worked there. My mm-hmm. favorite pizza overall, I think, right now is Lenovo. Yeah, as far as a straight regular, you know, cheese pepperoni pie, mm-hmm. um, their consistency can be a little hit or miss. But their sauces, I love their sauce.
0: Yeah, I haven't been to Lenovo in forever since I moved out to the boonies. <laughs> the boonies. The- it's a I place to- right
1: on uh, on uh, Buffalo Street, right there, across from Tim Hortons, is pretty good.
0: Oh, what's that place called? I drive by all the time. I've never been the there. Ninos or something?
1: Marcos or?
0: I think Ninos. I think that's what Nino, Ninos. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I used to work at that Tim Hortons there for a few years and when I was in my donut days. Dude, I, remember, uh,
3: I remember seeing you there once. And then, yeah. like, I didn't know you weren't straight edge anymore and you were smoking.
2: I'm like, what the fuck is he smoking? Cigarettes? <laughs> were you on vacation? That was, uh, was that Alex? Were you on vacation? Not at that point. I was working. Yeah. <laughs> he used to have a, a personal rule that he would only smoke on vacation. So <laughs> I never saw him smoke at all. <laughs> and in like the spring of 2003, yeah. uh, Sweeper and Pat Rhodes and I went out to California to see some shows, like early terror shows, along with uh, one of Matt's first, first runs back after Freddie got back from vacation. And, um, <laughs> it was like we got off the plane in Oakland, and he like stopped at a stopped at a shop and just fucking bought a pack of darts. I'm like, What the fuck are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm on vacation. Fuck it. And then he didn't, I, I never saw him smoke again, uh, for like years and years, except on that trip when he smoked the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
3: Amazing. I reached, I reached out to some people for like sweeper stories today. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I can't <laughs> wait for this.
3: I, I didn't get any really anything good, but, uh. I think Brad Collins is like, yeah, we, went, we, were, we were going down to Carolina for a Sabres game or something, and he chain-smoked the whole way, and it was freezing because he had the window open the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing. I didn't
3: – I it was
1: which whichever Carolina game. It was like – all right, so there for the Eastern Conference Finals, we went to three of the four games that were in Carolina with basically the same crew, yeah. and B-Rad was definitely there. And uh, it was like – I think it might have been him and Mitch in the back seat and I was fine, like with the window open, but I had my arm out the window and everything I was it was cool. But then I didn't realize that they were freezing in the back seat because the wind was just ripping back there. So, like, all they had to do was say something. And I put the window up, that would have sucked.
4: No, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't
1: trying to freeze them out of there, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that cold in the back.
0: I mean, you're smoking, you're good. <laughs>
1: It helped me stay awake, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> I guess that's the ultimate thing, right?
1: That was right. That was right before I quit, quit completely. I haven't had a cigarette in over 15 years. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you had your fill? That's yeah, dumb. I don't know what I was thinking. You're being cool, man. Cool. Something, something like that. Cool, daddy-o.
3: <laughs> He's rebelling, man. He's rebelling.
1: Yeah, I was just being an idiot. <laughs>
0: So so what was the first sweeper band?
1: Um, the first real one that actually played out was Ceasefire.
4: Yeah.
1: That was myself, uh, Billy Page on bass, her brother, um, Mike uh, was singing, and this dude, his name was JP, I don't think. He's still doing some bands, but I don't think I've seen him since he quit Ceasefire. So yeah. that was a long time ago. But uh, And then the later version of that would have been Myself and Billy and then uh, Josh Colca singing and Scott Griffith playing drums. Yeah, and, uh,
4: Griffith.
1: Yeah, he was around. He was friends with... He was. Th- they were all awkward dudes except for Billy and Mike, obviously.
4: Okay. But
1: um, uh, we had a 7-inch on uh, yeah, Fetus Records and two demos.
0: Where was Fetus Records?
1: Somewhere in Arizona, I want to say.
0: Wow! How did they have the Arizona? Has one Arizona here? your band.
1: I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Josh actually hooked all that up, I believe, if, if my memory serves. Yeah, I think because uh, remember that band, Policy One Eight Seven. Yeah, they were on Fetus also, so I'm pretty sure he took care of all that.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yeah,
1: it was interesting.
4: Yeah,
0: it, it, it was a was... uh, it was a learning experience.
4: Yeah,
0: it was different back then. <laughs> Sure getting your music out there. <laughs> so was, I mean, yeah. The 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 most the most uh, I guess your your uh, your most known for band is probably Lockjaw, right? You would say.
1: Either Lockjaw or Face the Panic, but.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about Lockjaw because yeah. we did in another episode. It's true.
1: <laughs> think so. For Lockjaw information. Go see what what episode was it? twenty something thirty. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm
0: looking up right now. But yeah, so yeah, if you want to hear uh, from Sweeper, Aaron, and Billy, I'll check it out right now and see what episode that was. It was it was an early episode. It was. Y'all oh, wow. were early adopters to the to the to, to the to the to the Nickel City Nickel City uh, way of life. It's a way of life, you know.
4: <laughs> way of life, so, uh,
0: <laughs> all of us.
3: <laughs> exactly. Before 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 we get into uh face the panic who who gave you the name Sweeper?
1: um again my memory's getting a little fuzzy but if if i remember things correctly i'm pretty sure it was definitely despair and i'm yeah. pretty sure it was matt dente
0: yeah
1: um you guys might remember they played a show at alfred state college in like late 94
4: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, envy moment of truth and brothers keeper
4: mm-hmm.
1: and i drove down with uh This girl Leah that I went to high school with, and maybe some other else. I don't remember. Um, Drove down. Leah Carrillo? correct. Yeah, she was in my sister's grade, but we went to the same high school Mm -hmm. after she moved from the city, anyways. Yeah. So drove down to the show, and Dana Glidden had uh, videotaped it, and they were watching the video later. And again, I was pretty ninety, late ninety four, still kind of early into my run of you know figuring things out, I guess. And I don't know what the hell I was doing, but according to them, it looked like I was sweeping the floor some like with some mosh move that I was trying to do. And they just said, that's the sweeper, and it's stuck. And <laughs> n- now now it's tattooed on my stomach.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> point, of, point of clarification. Did he think that you it, you looked like you were using a push broom or like a, <laughs> uh, like a side-to-side, like I'm sweeping my kitchen broom?
1: <laughs> I don't uh I don't recall. Okay. I don't think we—I don't think we ever had shot specifics. We gotta
2: figure this out because <laughs> this question never occurred to me until right now. I guess <laughs> there's lots of different, or maybe like a maybe like a hand broom, like into a
0: dustpan. We doing that type I, of thing? <laughs> I, I vaguely rec-
1: remember what what I think the move that they were talking about because I've never seen this video, so I'm not sure. Yeah, but obviously it exists. Mm-hmm. I think there was some kind of thing where I really just bent down real low and kind of took my hand and was like waving it across the floor or
0: something i'm i don't know
1: it looked like i was sweeping it off like trying to clear a spot for me
0: have to find this episode find this video i don't know yeah
1: talk to dente about that we need to unearth I mean, this you can maybe let's try get to Dante find a little, uh,
0: where's, where's our Dante dente uh we need a producer so a producer can call matt dente up right now and be like Matt, the
1: video. <laughs> I've got some pictures of me singing along at that show, actually, but nothing to me So Yeah, no sweeping, no
0: no no chronicling of the sweeping.
1: what <laughs> I'm aware of. It. It's it's funny though. When I was still working at Sunny's, so it couldn't have been later than '96, 96, summer '96. 96, Matt and Brian Fligger actually came into Sunny's. I don't know if they were hungry or whatever, but yeah. and I was working that night, and it was kind of late, so I was sweeping the dining room, and he said, "Look at him. He really does sweep."
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was something. <laughs> okay, so ceasefire then lockjaw, correct? Um,
1: and ceasefire really only really broke up just because. Uh, and it, this is mostly covered in, in the lockjaw episode, but like so, it coinciding with ceasefire, that the two bands overlapped for I don't know a good six months or so.
4: Yeah,
1: and it got to the point where I was switching to guitar and lockjaw. And I kind of just didn't really see a need to play guitar in Ceasefire, too, so we just kind of dissolved mm-hmm. the band. Josh wasn't too happy about it because we had that 7-inch and that dude would have put out an LP for us, too, if, if we had continued. So he wasn't real pumped about that. But I think it worked out for the best for everybody.
0: So how would you describe Ceasefire as a band? Like, musically? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a rough attempt at...
1: You know, it was like, that was my first ever anything for songwriting, so... Mm-hmm. You, I mean, literally between the two demos, I think you can see a night and day improvement in just songwriting alone, not, not to mention playing. Yeah. And then, you know, you could kind of see how I was figuring it out on the fly.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the, the songs from the 7-inch are actually from the second demo. So there's yeah. eight songs on the demo, and there's only five. We just picked the five best and put them on the 7-inch. So mm-hmm. it was remixed a little bit, but that was it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was all right. And then, like, the common denominator between all the bands that I've done, for the most part, is i did it just to hang out with my friends you know for the most within reason anyway sometimes you know there's a couple people you don't know or whatever but yeah um and i was already in in buffalo hanging out with the dudes in lockjaw five nights a week anyways just might as well do that band with them yeah so that was the end of ceasefire
0: r.i.p ceasefire (laughs) 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 so okay so so after Lockjaw broke up, how long did it take for Wrong um, the Oppressor to show up? Uh, Lockjaw's last actual show
1: because we did a couple of impromptu reunions here there just when we were feeling goofy, but yeah. um, the last last show was in May I want to say of '98, um, and Wrong the Oppressor's first show was in January of 2000, so about a year and a half, and in that meantime. Everybody in Lockjaw except for me did that band um Kill Shot.
0: Oh yeah, that's right, Kill Shot.
1: So that, that was like I was still friends with all of them. I was still going to their shows. With, I don't know. They they just wanted to do it as a four piece and they were they were a little more focused on the metal side of things.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you know, Rami Oppressor started up and it was the polar opposite as far as trying to focus more on hardcore than metal.
0: Yeah. So I didn't realize I didn't I guess I didn't realize Killshot was the rest of who played drums in Killshot?
1: Oh, I forgot about that. That wasn't Pat. That was, um, Oh, that was that dude's name.
3: Ryan something.
1: Was... That That's sound... no, it was his brother. Ryan <laughs> Prennett was, was, uh, in like drunken Origin of destruction and all those bands. Yeah. yeah. His brother played drums. I think it was his brother.
2: Alex, they look alike.
1: It? So they're probably brothers. I don't know. Um, Pretty sure his brother played drums for for Killshot.
2: Killshot is Bill, Greg, Craig. Scott, Aaron. Yes, and I'm reading verbatim. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, disrespecting anybody's identity. So I apologize <laughs> for that. It's all good.
4: <laughs> yeah. So
0: so let's wrong the oppressor. What let's let's get a little wrong the oppressor knowledge. Well, uh, that all started because as Killshot
1: was winding up mm-hmm. uh billy billy got in contact with me wanted to do another band mostly you know more hardcore than anything this time mm-hmm. um, I, I, we both knew benny from his time in firebrand
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, bill billy knew him better than i did but um mm-hmm. so that was you know that, that was that fell together pretty easy i think we had to look for a drummer for a while and at the time we found joe and joe oh, was, yeah. you know, so Joey Joey Coonsey is we're 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 basically at fault for unleashing him on the world. <laughs> he was a good drummer, man. He's a good drummer. He's a good dude yeah. too. He was actually just uh back in town yeah. unfortunately for a funeral uh a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh Beer Wolf and I ended up meeting up with him downtown for a while. It was it was nice to catch up with him. Yeah. But you know, so he's Joey was this punk dude that just kind of yeah, I mean, for the style that we were going for, the wrong depressor, it worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of a goofball, but <laughs> you know, that's all right. We were all young still,
4: mm-hmm.
1: so we started practicing. We yeah. so we right away, almost right away, we we did a five song demo with some dude that in that Joey's ba- in his this dude's basement that Joey knew. And it sounded like absolute shit, so we never released that. And then we ended really? up doing a yeah. So I, we, I still have the recording. It's actually up on our band camp, but mm-hmm. um, we never actually released it. And then we did a however many song demo it was with Nate uh, Borman. Mm. And that was our first release.
0: The, uh, I'm trying to think of what that demo cover looked like. So live uh, photo. Yeah. Okay.
1: Ben and Ben and Billy.
2: Did you do tapes oh. or did you just do CDs? Just CDs. I I, I only ever had a CD.
0: Was the I feel like the picture from that was a picture from 33, 33 Tyler.
1: Correct. It might have even been yours.
0: I think it was. Because yeah. I'm I'm the kingpin of photos. You me. are. <laughs> it would
3: definitely it definitely makes sense. <laughs> I think it's probably the only place you really played uh, other than Olean, right? <laughs> Well, we got out there, but we definitely hit up
1: the basement scene pretty hard. Yeah,
4: That's we, played really Titus g- that
1: time. we played in Titus's garage once on the Fourth of July. I
0: remember that show. That was a that was a fun time. Because what was the show? The show that we were supposed to play. Like, did it get canceled?
1: Was a death threat.
0: Yeah, it was at the basement bar, and we're all yeah. like hanging outside the basement bar, and then it was, yeah, like-
1: we, we had the gear. Anyways, Titus said he'd make us some hamburgers, and yes, off we went to play in a garage
0: yeah were you were you guys the only band that played in that garage, or did someone else play? Yeah, I don't remember yeah,
1: and the only reason I even really remember playing myself is because I've got again I've got pictures from it, and I had to piece together like where they were from at one point,
0: yeah, yeah I remember. I remember hanging out outside of the basement bar like but it was like during the day,
1: yeah, it was supposed it must- to be a matinee,
0: yeah, yeah I don't hmm. know what happened so. That's back in the day they, when did, they just didn't show up. Yeah, Connecticut back in the day when bands didn't
2: show up. Yeah, oh, Connecticut that- band from 1998 to 2002. Like it the show was a coin flip at best. <laughs>
0: Pretty much.
1: Yeah. They they showed up for the show I did with them.
0: Yeah.
1: That trial show at Mercury. They That's played the that too.
0: Yeah,
1: don't that don't show was, that. that show was good. That was that was uh it, we ended up headlining because nobody wanted to play last. <laughs> so right, we just plus we were running out of time, so, just, so we got up there. Lockjaw, this is. We got up there and ripped off eight songs, yeah, in like fifteen minutes. So that, yeah. was, that was kind of a feat for us because Billy would get a little long winded sometimes, but um. Yeah. So anyways, the show was us, Trial Days Gone, Diecast, and Death Threat. It's a good show.
0: Remember that band Days Gone?
1: I thought they were all right. They were the yeah. only one that like I had no say whether or not they played or not. They were just part of the package of Trials. So. Yeah. If I was putting it together, I I probably wouldn't have had them, but, you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I remember, I think they, were they from like Massachusetts or something? Do you remember? Yes. Yep. Because I had a friend who I think knew them, so that's why I knew that band. Days Gone.
1: I remember them being okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think they were okay. Um, You
1: get a little sad driving down military these days. You know, look to your right and you're like,
0: just grass. Yeah. <laughs> Just grass. Yeah. Just grass.
1: It's,
0: it's kind of crazy how they fit <laughs> that club and the backyard in that space.
1: And a house next door.
0: Yeah, it seems like it seems like there's not a space for all of that stuff to happen. No. Yeah, they, were, they
1: were right on top. That's why when Mercury burned down, I took the house with it.
0: Yeah, it was, <laughs> was kind of crazy how small that piece of land is and there was all that shit there. It's kind of crazy. So many... <laughs> There were so many shows there. It was like
3: yeah, man. a pretty good
0: club for what, what what was going on there. You could do a small show there and you know, it was fine, you know? Even that
1: the, S- the Spares last show, I think it was over 400 people that crammed in another for that. Yeah. That was packed. That was packed. Yeah, up. that was packed. Uh-huh.
3: But, I, I think that, like, during that time in Buffalo was kind of a lull. Yeah. Like it, as, yeah. as far as att- attendance.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, see- like... I don't know. I thought it was pretty good because I could do a trial show on a. I guess it was on the weekend, but I had 115 people pay.
4: Yeah,
3: that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, I think that was uh probably you know exception, not the rule. Because like you remember, like like all those like SBYC shows that. I, oh, like, I
1: remember. I was at all of them. <laughs> you played.
3: You you played them all. We played all but, of them. Yeah. <laughs> but like some of those were like pretty rough.
1: As far as intent goes, I
3: think a lot of that was just from
1: oversaturation of the market. Because now, uh, well, now there's a lot of shows, but they're all different kind of genres, anyways. Mm
4: -hmm. Back
1: then, it was you know, it was a little different with hardcore and all the. I, I, anyways, I remember like a crust scene and hardcore and emo wasn't even really branched off yet. So you had all all those bands kind of playing mostly the same shows. Yeah, I, I feel like you could. You could have about one show a week on average and it would be fairly well attended, especially by today's standards, where if 30 people show up to a show, you're you're like, yeah, we had it was a good turnout.
0: Yeah, like, I, I, there's a bit of revisionist history with, well, maybe in Buffalo was a thing, like, we had a lot of mixed bill shows in Buffalo, like, di- different kinds of bands playing with each other, because that's just how it was.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yeah. there wasn't as big of a band pool to
0: draw from. Sure. Yeah, so we had to, like, kind of mix it up to get something you there.
1: You know, unless you wanted to see Lockjaw every other weekend at Mercury, which is what it ended up being, anyways.
0: <laughs> there were people who wanted that. Come on.
4: Yeah,
1: we should we should have been a little more selective, but we were, you know we, I don't know. It was our buddies doing the show, so what are we going to tell them? No.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's fun, playing,
1: right? Especially when uh, at that, that age, I was yeah. twenty. You know, I hadn't had not anything better to do. I mean, like if if I could, uh, if I was going to be play, at the show anyways.
3: Yeah, if I could play a show every week, I might. You know.
2: Back then, yeah, <laughs> These yeah. Days, so no. might as well get in free, right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Plus, so I mean, you're the only person among us, I think, that gets to say he played with Warzone. So,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Which
0: band played with Warzone? Was that, well, it was that was and 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 uh, okay, um, AOK, right?
1: A-O- yes, AOK. Alders <laughs> killed AOK. Also played that kind of. <laughs>
0: I feel like at the Mercury, there was like at least three different places where they put where bands played inside that club.
1: Yeah, they moved the stage around a few times. Yeah, at least twice.
0: Yeah, I thought when they had it like on the this the
3: like right side it was pretty cool. Yeah, like, that's where it, it's where it ended up. I think. Uh, yeah, well, originally was in the back against like the back wall. Yeah, that's yeah. where it
1: was yeah. for the Warzone show. And then by the time I got to the despair's last show, it was up against the right side.
3: Yeah, and they'd be I, behind
1: it. And then they I should. think they built out the entire floor up further because it was like collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. And then bands basically just played on the floor. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a lot
0: of, a lot of different places there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kinda of just tells you the shape that building was actually in. Yeah.
0: Hmm. What was it? It was a drink after the after the Mercury Theater it was called a Drink. Yep. Yeah. Why was it called the Mercury Theater? Like, it wasn't a theater. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird name for a place. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should get Dan
1: on here once sometime just to pick his brain at some stuff. You yeah. could even do like, you could do like mini episodes, like just a 15 minute little thing about stuff like that. Yeah. Call him a call him quarter episode. I don't know.
0: I would you love guys to are talk to the geniuses. I, I don't know if he's around here right now. He's either here or in Georgia right now.
1: I'm not sure. He's still in that place. Well, oddly enough, it was called Campieri's on, uh, Main Street.
0: Yeah.
1: It was uh, 888
2: Main Street. I don't know why I remember that other than it's easy to remember. And yeah, he's I'm always,
0: sure. it seems like he's always selling something on Facebook Marketplace or something. Does it really
2: matter if he's around considering we just do all of these on Zoom?
0: No, but you know, just, just talking. You got to find him. Yeah, yeah. just talking. I, I can get a hold did, of Dan. He's on, I we're did, friends on Facebook. I did see him at a show
3: like um, early in the winter. Um, yeah. That, uh, What's that game face guy's name again?
0: Jeff Cardle. Yeah, and
3: he was at that show. Yeah. Bald is a cue ball now. Yeah, yeah. He
0: definitely played. Like game face definitely played the Mercury too. I forget who that show was with. But uh, I don't know. I was probably there, but I was not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> not like I don't like game face. I love game face. I'm looking at this picture Dan at Rock and Roll Heaven on January 7th, chilling. Old Mercury Dan. Anyway, yeah. let's get back to the uh yeah. to, the, to the the business at hand. So so when did Wrong the Oppressor change the name to the fire and why? Um
1: it's a when. Right around the time we did that last demo. So Wrong the Oppressor had zero luck as far as getting any of our releases actually put out. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to be a seven-inch um, Josh uh, Mosh Lions from Dorchester um, mm. Enterprise Enterprise Hardcore, is that what label's called? No. Uh, I think at the time oh, it was
2: called Blatherskite Records and then you yes. changed it uh, to Enterprise Records. I remember that. Correct. I remember that
1: label. So yeah. it's supposed to be on Blatherskite and it took, it seems like it, it was probably, we waited forever, but in reality it was probably about six months before we were just like alright, to hell with it, it's not coming out. So then we got in touch with that dude, um, Ian from Fist of the High Records, who had done a the lockjaw split with the Hoods. Yeah. And um, who unfortunately recently passed away. Uh, he had cancer, which is sad. Oh, but yeah. yeah. So, but we were supposed to do the sediments with him. That got as far as the point of having test presses. And even we were supposed to have copies to sell when we played at Hellfest, the uh, 2001 Hellfest. Yeah. To the oh, point where cool. I actually had covers made for the records that were supposed to be coming. I have but one. You do. And I have 109 a, a of them because <laughs> I've <made> had 110. <laughs> um, so, Sell them. <laughs> with no record? I do. <laughs> currently, Test Press is in my possession right now. It's sitting uh, right to the right of me over there. Yeah. i show up for the camera, but it looks like every other Test Press anyway's ever seen. Yeah. So it's not very exciting. But yeah. so it does exist. <clears throat> so I think the name change was partially uh, me being me at the time, 20, what was I, 22, 23, maybe. Yeah, I was just, I was just sick of the name wrong. The oppressor trying to have to explain to people what it meant. <laughs>
4: yeah. And then
1: I just wanted something easy. I was, you know, I kind of probably had just gotten into token entry at the time or something like that. Yeah. The Fire seemed like a good name. I had had never heard of any other bands using it before that I could remember, anyways. Yeah. Um, Pretty generic, but it was easy. It rolled off the tongue easier than Wrong the Oppressor. And I think that's what I was going for at the time.
2: I wonder how that would have rolled off the tongue on uh, the People's Court. Did you feel personally (laughs) that's what they said by the tone that the uh, People's Court voiceover guy said it in? The Fire. The Fire.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah well you we said wrong the oppressor christopher can you, yeah, can you imagine
3: that
1: dude trying to trying to spit out wrong the oppressor not trip over that
2: <laughs> he just goes off on a sidebar walks over and asks you what the fuck what the name is was. what is this yeah
1: excuse me sir
2: whose the, idea yeah, the, was that who what do you mean the name like wrong the oppressor i mean
1: i believe ben came up with that um and it it has its roots in Shakespeare somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm not sure how he. I could be giving Ben way too little credit. He might read Shakespeare all the time, as far as I'm, you know, for all I know. But yeah. I think he just kind of stumbled across it one day and thought it would be a cool name.
2: WTO. Huh. Hey, don't want them all, right?
1: <laughs> I well Obviously, I don't. I've changed my mind on it because that's what the band's called currently. Or yeah, I thought it
2: was. I thought it was recently. We went back to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's probably been 18 billion the fires since then. So yes, that yeah, Wong
0: would... the person is more memorable than the fire. Yeah, unique. <laughs> sure.
1: I'll give it that much.
0: <laughs> it so, was funny though. Speaking of People's Court, like <laughs> I always tell people, like because you mouth, you go bitch, <laughs> you can totally hear you say. It. I like in my yeah, mind as I as can hear you say it because you're mouthing like, a... I don't know if what it's audible. Bitch. I don't know if it was audible, but it was. Quiet. You can
2: hear it. Oh, you can, I think hear-, you can hear it. One hundred percent.
0: Why did they low. edit that out?
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's there. Yeah, I, I can hear Point as day on the DVD copy you gave me.
0: One of my favorite moments in TV ever, Barna. <laughs> and then,
1: so that fucking cunt is uh, reaming me out on national television, I mean, to be aired later, but still, you know, I'm, I'm getting my ass chewed out by some asshole behind a fake judge behind a bench, <laughs> giving me shit about, it. you don't, you don't, you might not even know this, but you're like a sub sub-lot, landlord and all this, and like, oh my god, here we go. <laughs> so by the by the time I got out of there, because they had those exit <laughs> interviews, yeah. by the time I got out of there, this guy's trying to crawl up my ass, too, and I'm just like, fuck, they're right the fuck off, like both of you, you know what I mean? And of course, I couldn't say that, but I was just so frustrated, and I, I just, I, I don't deal well under that kind of pressure, I yeah. guess. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything to say other than, yeah, whatever, just fuck you. Like what I wanted to say was, fuck you, eat my asshole.
0: You should have. That would have been amazing.
2: What's she gonna do? Charge you with contempt of television? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so oh, that thing. was
1: not. That wasn't a bad deal for everybody involved, though. Cat got his his settlement paid out by the TV show. Yeah, I got. 50 bucks for showing up you they got trip flew, to New York right yeah they flew Benny and I out to New York picked us up in a limo drove us back in a town car and, yep,
4: <laughs> I think yeah, maybe only,
1: cool. m- maybe only winners get the limos back to the airport but um, plus I talked <laughs> him into booking our return flight for the next day so we got to hang out in Manhattan for the night well,
4: that's nice.
2: awesome
1: yeah. It, was, it was worked a out well
2: for, for Andy too so that's good
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know what you're talking about
2: yeah I have no idea what I'm talking about anyway
0: <laughs> but Is that online anywhere people score it
1: i'm not sure i
3: didn't put it there
0: <laughs> we need to find it and put it. we need to we need, we need to upload it we probably can't because they'll probably take take I don't, right think I've, I don't think i've ever seen it
4: really yeah
0: i've got a video of it I got a clip of it somewhere and sweepers got it so
1: yeah i have the DvD you gave me
0: but freaking amazing!
1: <laughs> it's it's. I don't think, consider it to be my my shining moment at all. Like I didn't handle any of it very well. It's kind of embarrassing personally. But what is yeah.
0: what is Sweeper's shining moment though? <laughs> shit, I don't know. You have the bitch heard around the world, man. Come on. That was kind of <laughs> at that, least that in was my okay. mind.
1: Dude, it was it was the fucking five minutes that came after that though that I just dropped the ball. Like I could have come up with so much awesome shit to say. I was so pissed off. I get it.
0: <laughs> I get
1: I, I it. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Plus, we were so Benny. Ours was one of the later uh, cases, you know. Heard that day. yeah. So to the point where they have you sign a bunch of paperwork on your way out of there, basically signing, you know, all the rights to the, any of the property away. Which, yeah. to Derek's point, I don't think I don't think it would stay up there very long. Although, who knows? It's it's been twenty years, so yeah, maybe the copyright's gone on that. But, anyways, um, so we're outside waiting to kind of just hanging out figure out what we're gonna do for the rest of the night, yeah and the the judge walks out of there i I wanted to fucking run up to her and start bitching at her, but I managed to keep my cool and you know, it would have that probably would have got me in legit trouble as opposed to going off
3: on the show
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice I never heard that before <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> sweet bird costs judge, judge Judy <laughs> judge Marion
0: Millian. Yeah. Million, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. It's an asshole. I mean you didn't get <laughs> Judge Wapner or that Doug lady. Llewellyn, the real OGs. <laughs> 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 what I grew up watching. <laughs>
4: anyway. Yeah, she was
1: pretty she was pretty new to it around that time, I want to say.
0: Was the fire still a band when you were on People's Court? Yes. Okay.
1: That was uh that was filmed in late October of 2001. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean for better or worse that we were down there, you know, a month month and a half after 9/11. Yeah. To the like we even went to the Empire State Building just to get up the uh, the, the observation deck and kind of I had never been there so I wanted to just look around, but I mean you could, you know, Ground Zero is still smoldering. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, it's obviously terrible, but I'm kind of glad I went and at least kind of blade eyes on it.
0: Yeah, I went down there sometime after that too, when it was still like a mess down there yeah. and stuff.
3: I went too when you could get like a flight for like twenty bucks, because yeah. <laughs> like, like no one was flying. It was pretty awesome. I was like,
0: all right. Yeah, there was, a lady, my, mm-hmm. sorry, there was a lady who came into my sorry. There a lady came into my store who was talking about how her she had a relative who lived down there, and they think she got cancer because of she was amongst all the uh, the crap. That went on down there so
4: very very possible and she
0: died recently so you know it's shit still lingers on and on and on yeah yeah that's you know that's what it is so why did the fire break up
1: um all right so while we were recording the demo that became the fire demo Mm -hmm. and I don't remember exact the, the exact data on the top of my head, but I do know it was the day the Sabers beat Philly eight to one in the playoffs that year, mm-hmm. the two thousand one playoffs, or yeah, two thousand. So it was like April, Mayish, or whatever. Um, so Joey quit that day. He he finished his drum tracks, and Ben was riding them particularly hard about something. Yeah, and uh, Joey was like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." So he took a shit and left. And I don't know. Literally, it seemed like days later because Joey had been going through a little phase in for himself where he wanted everything to be mosh like chugga chugga like whatever Yeah, which makes sense that he ended up in it dies today about a week after he quit wrong the oppressor Mm -hmm. so okay, yeah Uh, what did he say it dies today check it out or whatever what did he say in it that goofy thing
2: he said with his fucking camaro he pulled up he rolled down the window and he said like like just looked like a total shithead just hung out his window and went (laughs) It dies today. Spread the word. And then it's fucking it burnout. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize he. Was, I didn't realize he was in that band.
1: Yeah, for not very long. I, knew,
0: I guess I knew at the time, but yeah.
1: Because they played that that show on Windspear, that was like a Lockjaw reunion. Wrong, the oppressor also played. Yeah, and it it dies so today. Played earlier. Mm. Um, so I mean, obviously we weren't too pissed off at him, but. I don't think we talked to him much at that show either.
0: Who was that other drummer you guys got?
1: Scott Collins.
0: Scott Collins. He's a good dude. Yeah.
1: Um, It kind of led a little more to the punk side of things, which these days I probably would have been totally fine with. Mm. Um, back then, I was kind of stuck, and I wanted Wrong The Oppressor to sound how Wrong The Oppressor sounded. Yeah. And it, it's not really Scott's fault. He he plays drums the way he plays drums. I, I refuse to bend to that particular style and Mm -hmm. it just kind of kind of fizzled out. And I I guess I, as much as anybody lost interest and plus we were still fighting the, uh, trying to get the fucking record out. Yeah. And I I think a lot of us just became discouraged by that,
4: Mm -hmm.
1: but I think the songs still hold up for the most part. There's a couple of dogs in there, but for the most part, I think they're pretty good.
0: What's your favorite fire song?
1: Well, wrong. All encompassing between everything, uh instruction manual, I think. I think it's just got I don't know how the hell I came up with that riff. I must I was probably listening to a lot of turning point at the time with harmonics that are in it. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. uh I think it's just a cool riff. That definitely stands you know the test of time, in my opinion. Okay. Just a good song.
0: Nice. All right. So uh the fire is over.
1: Yep. Uh, so that was early, really early, two thousand two.
2: Does that take us to the alleged?
1: Yes. I don't remember how much of a gap there was between the wrong oppressor and the alleged. I don't think there was more than a year. Mm-hmm. So the alleged had started as a three piece with uh, was it a three piece? I don't remember if they ever had a bass player or not before I joined, but Paul mm-hmm. from uh, the Control yeah had played guitar for them, mm-hmm. and then Rich Hogan and Aaron Adkins and paul quit for i don't know whatever reason and they asked me to i don't know how they came up with my name i i knew who aaron was but we weren't like tight or anything and rich was like 15 at the time yeah so <laughs> i didn't know rich yet um but uh, I, i'm so happy i met him i love that dude he's anyways best. so good he's a fantastic drummer and even better human beings which is tough to do so, anyways,
2: shockingly, shockingly great hugs for a little fella, too. Yeah, <laughs> what? you don't I've expect never... the amount of power that he puts into a hug that he gives you because he's just a little guy. He's, I love he's it. wiry. I don't think I've ever hugged Rich. Oh, Rich is the best. Derek, Come on Derek, you were a band together, fucking friends, Derek. Uh,
3: dude, I know. How I know. was there no hug, dude, Richie <laughs> the whole time. Richie wasn't that hard. He was like, I just want to be at home and do little legend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a. I don't hold it against any other members of Dead Hearts, mostly Jeremy. But that whole thing is is a bit of a stick in my craw still. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's not like the alleged was so busy that Rich had to choose between the two. Anyways, that they, they we're getting off track. So they they asked me to come down and just kind of see whether or not I liked it, and you know whatever. So they had the three songs on the demo and I think I only actually have ever even learned two. And then we uh we we learned a couple of Wrongly the Oppressor songs just to uh, round out a set and we played the first show with that lineup at uh I don't remember which one it was but Hey Dude it was it was up at the one closer to the Skujakuda on Main Street as opposed to down the, by Windspear. I think that was Hey Dude 2. Is that track?
0: think the uh, last Hey Dude was by Skujakuda. Was yeah. it the, the first one? Was by just by, pizza and no, by, by like, yeah, the Steers,
2: the one to buy like Tony's Ranch House and that school yeah. for the deaf. Yeah, that's the, is that the last one or is that? That was I think that was the last one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think I, if I recall, there were two that were in University Heights, mm-hmm. and one one had like a store in the front and a big warehouse space in the back, and I think there yeah. was a smaller one, but I might be conflating it with something else. But then. Yeah, like the place where the last control show was, uh down down Main Street a little bit, uh on the east side of Main Street. Good yeah. That, so that that's, where,
1: that's where our first show was as a band.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh I thought it went okay. You know, I remember Nick Barron kind of well, I was looking forward to this, but thought you guys just played wrong the oppressor song, so I kind of just gonna do wrong the oppressors, so you get wrong the oppressor back together. I'm like, all right, Nick, thanks. <laughs>
4: So that, <laughs> that was nice his strange. opinion on how that went, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, we, it was, we were under a time crunch and I was coming at it from the point of, cause Nick probably had a copy of the seven inch that never came out. Yeah. So, so to him, it was just, we were playing wrong, the Impressor songs, but we chose two songs specifically that weren't released within the capacity of a wrong, the Impressor release. Mm-hmm. So I figured it would be okay. They ended up on the, the alleged demo along with uh, two new songs that we wrote mm-hmm and then so that that you know we played a handful of shows as the alleged Aaron ended up quitting because he was kind of flaky at the time I don't remember what he decided to do after that probably something more along the lines of pissing match when, which is fine I'm not I'm not saying that in a shitty way he ended up finding what he wanted to do and if if it took being in the alleged with us to figure out what he didn't want to do that's okay there's nothing wrong with that path
4: mm-hmm.
1: So um the entire time we were the alleged, we had no steady bass player. Like Gene from uh uh
2: the hell's his last name? Zibowski is that right? Zibowitz. Zibowitz, uh
1: Z Gene Z, I don't
2: know. We so, went to middle school and high school together It's the only reason oh, why, I, okay. why I know that, but.
1: all right. So he played bass for a little bit. He intended to switch over to guitar at some point. Um Chris swear he, I saw he, you play with him on guitar. We at the Adele Collins benefit show at, at Broadway Joe's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had talked Wolf into playing a few shows on bass with us, so we yeah. might have actually played as a five piece a few times. Huh. But so I, I guess I guess you could consider Gene to be a permanent member at, at one point because I mean we took his van over and played in, uh, in Canada somewhere with him. Um, but he was on bass for that. I'm pretty sure, but. Mm-hmm. Either way, we struggled to keep a full lineup together. And then towards the end of the Alleged, we finally we found Jobber. And, <laughs> and Tim had uh, Tim had come and started playing bass. So we were practicing still in Niagara Falls. I remember Tim and Jobber both being down there at the same time. <clears throat> so when the name shift from the Alleged went to Devil's Advocate, it was really just a name change. The band was already in place. And we mm-hmm. were playing the same songs and stuff. We just needed to find another singer. Mm-hmm. And I think when Aaron left the band, I I figured that was as good a time as any to kind of switch it officially. Yeah. Of course, I say it was my idea. We we talked about it as a band, obviously. But, you know. And there you go. That's how we became (laughs) Devil's Advocate. And Jobber, we just met, his real name is Jeffrey Hahn. He's another great dude uh, who I am ecstatic to have met through that band.
2: Still talks to him every fucking day. Like, every day. I don't talk to him
1: every day, but I I do attempt to at least keep somewhat sporadic contact with him. But, uh, (laughs) you know, he's a great guy showed up with his, uh, what band was, did he have on? He had, uh, one of those, uh, kind of emo, y dark, I has to call it black metal, but, uh, one of those, one of those bands. You know what I mean? Like they all wore air, eyeliner and eighteen visions.
0: Kind of like that, <laughs>
1: but more mainstream. Jeremy likes some of the Jeremy Smith. Likes some of their stuff.
0: Like him, AFI. AFI, yes. Uh-huh.
1: He showed up with his AFI hoodie on, and you know, he had a he had long hair at
0: the time. Yeah. Uh.
1: He's got long hair again. Yeah, it's real long now. Longer. Does he
2: live now? Like out west.
1: Yeah, he was in Portland for a while. He is I in Portland he went, still. He moved so. out west
2: to go to grad school <laughs> in uh, Seattle. Yeah. So, like, he's from West Virginia. He moved to Buffalo to do his undergrad at UB. Uh, and then he ended up moving for grad school, uh, went to University of Washington, and stayed in the Pacific Northwest. But they did move from Seattle down to, uh, down to Portland.
1: If uh, Facebook is not lying to me, I believe he's currently in West Virginia again for temporarily
2: yeah he was he was just texting me trying to get me to uh accept
3: take a cat. a what?
2: <laughs> except what yeah uh, yeah he's uh, his i think his sister who
3: jobber they sister
2: they essentially look like the same person uh yeah, it's jobber
1: and Jobber's sister
2: yeah um she, I think, does something involving fostering animals, and uh, yeah, she she has a bunch of cats. She's trying to home, and um, yeah, he's you know he's trying real hard. It's tempting in, on the level that he would drive the cat up here and hang out with me to deliver it.
1: But that might be worth it.
2: Dedication. Might be- <laughs> dedication.
0: I'd hang
1: out. I'd, I'd entertain the idea of accepting a feline, too, for, for a jobber hang. Uh, let's see. So we're still in Devil's Advocate. Yeah. Um, that, Which had a few different band. singers. Yeah. So as as it started as Devil's Advocate, like I said before, we had Fletcher was in on bass. Jobber was in on guitar. It was me and Rich on myself and Rich on drums. And then Pat Rhodes was our first singer as Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. And we did that. Demo with the ZT ripoff thing that I made on it, and uh, from 2005, I want to say, mm-hmm. and it was pretty cool. We recorded that with Mike Cadillac in Niagara Falls, where the alleged demo was also recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and right around this time, I had gotten in touch with, uh, actually, it was during the alleged. Still, uh, we'd gotten in touch with Porcel. He got he got a hold of a, a copy of our demo somehow, and wanted to do an LP for us. Whoa! yeah it was, it was that label that he had fight fire with fire records for a while
4: mm-hmm.
1: and things were going pretty well and this part might end up getting cut because I'm not trying to drag Aaron or anything but it, it was going well until Aaron came over to Ramsdale actually one day and we did a kind of a little conference call with Porcel and Aaron got on there and started talking and that was the last I heard of Porcel <laughs> he just it was like never mind wow yeah. yeah so what was that I don't I don't know what the fuck Aaron was thinking he he talked about religion and how much he didn't like religion a lot
4: oh Jesus
1: which is fine if that's what you believe you know what I mean but he kind of went off the, the went off the deep end about it if I remember correctly in poor soul being Krishna you know he, he's like well I can respect your point of view but if you're going to be belligerent about it kind of a dick you like never mind it, I, I think that's kind of what it boiled down to. Uh, So, um, yeah, I guess that was, that was actually still in the legend. And then when we were actually in devil's advocate, there was some label. I can't even remember anymore that also wanted to put out a record for us, but they're from Europe and that never came to fruition either. Like to the point where we had actually listed all our songs and we're working on an LP order and trying to make sure we had like enough time worth of material to fill an LP make sure all the songs were practiced and ready to record,
4: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, to make sure the singer had polished lyrics for everything. That might've actually even been Steve by the Steve. What's his nuts? Alex spotter. Steve Steve Simon. Simon. Steve Simon. He's such shit. (laughs) uh, I enjoyed hanging out with him, but he turned into a flaky fucker. Whatever. He was a terrible singer too. So bad.
0: (laughs) Why was he your singer then?
1: well he had a, a fantastic stage presence yeah and at practice it's kind of hard to tell like you know maybe he'll grow into it maybe he'll ready to go at echo bass which was the you know far side and john angelo's studio yeah and steve went in there to sing on him and it just it sucks shit it was terrible
2: yeah he, and then it, if, if I recall, he started out kind of strong, but then every single time that he did it, he blew out his voice a little more and it just devolved every single time. And he just got like weaker and weaker because he was pushing too hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that tracks uh, probably, but I don't think he it was very good to begin with either. Even, even the earlier tracks, like I remember sitting in the room with Fletcher, maybe even Rich too, but Steve was out smoking or something. We're all just kind of looking at each other like, this isn't going to work. And it didn't matter because Steve flaked out and moved to Detroit or something within a couple weeks. Anyways, I think he kind of knew he sucked, and I don't—I'm not saying he ran away from it, but he just took it as an opportunity to just bail. Hmm.
3: So,
4: huh.
1: you know, so he went—he went away. Uh, Pat—I don't even remember why Pat quit. he just didn't want to do it anymore.
3: I
2: thought you guys thought kicked that, him out. I thought that you kicked him out. Yeah, so didn't took him have out
3: or something. It's like taking that's what I, that's what i remember him saying <laughs> well maybe that, like? that he got kicked out because he didn't have lyrics done or something like that that sounds Yeah, it could have been right i don't remember like i'm still
1: friends with that, i'm not mad about it or anything but no, no. Uh, lyrics are
0: hard man lyrics are. they hard. can be
4: <laughs>
1: can be they can be Sometimes especially when Especially when the, the set of lyrics that you've already written for like the first five or however many songs are all about the same thing.
3: Yeah. It happens. It does yeah.
1: happen. Pat or uh, Alex was what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. The worst person I know.
1: <laughs> you live in <haven't>
2: Lewiston.
1: <laughs> that was one of the working titles for a while.
2: That that band did have the best working titles.
1: Yeah. All the good swears.
2: Yeah. Jobber's favorite is uh, Alex Broke Up the Decline, which was an inexplicably working <laughs> title for the song.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I was... feel like Tim should be in on this part. but
0: Yeah. yeah. Tim just couldn't make it tonight. Yeah, well, We were going to do a Devil's Advocate like kind of breakdown, but I figured let's just, since no one else can make it, let's just do a sweeper interview
1: i wish i was more exciting
0: <laughs> totally exciting you've been on the people's court man that's true yeah.
1: <laughs> my life peaked uh 22 years ago <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's so okay so um steve bales and then we got uh,
1: dave Starr to do it
0: oh yeah that's right i forgot dave Starr saying for
1: yeah we, we recorded the last demo I, as I figure, it was aptly titled version 4.0 because he was the fourth singer of that band between Alleged and Devil's Advocate. So that's why yeah. it was called version 4.0. I like those songs. Um, I think it came out pretty good. And I think it kind of, same deal as growing the compressor, just by the time that we had already gone through, you know, two records being proposed and not coming out, we just couldn't, I mean, i'm not saying dave was a bad singer i just don't think he was the right singer for that band maybe at the time
4: mm-hmm. uh,
1: it, it was it, it, i'm not saying it wasn't he didn't even work out it just wasn't i don't know i don't think anybody really cared by that point mm-hmm. yeah so that demo came out we played a few more shows and uh i don't think i don't even remember if there was like an official i think we should break up the band i think we all just kind of like do i practice like not really <laughs> You know, and we just, we just didn't. And then right around the same time as that ended, Face to Panic started up. So it, it became a way like of no, almost no importance to me at that point. So,
0: yeah. So let's talk about Face to Panic. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you end up in that band? Um,
1: my cat, my cat's got something put on that apparently. <laughs> yeah so exactly. uh, Je- jeffers wanted to put together a band if you listen if it, the version of his story as he put it together he felt bad because for jay like you know his involvement in hardcore kind of peaked with slugfest and then he struggled to find a footing in the mm-hmm. scene after that so he wanted to do a band to get mm-hmm. jay some touring experience it, i could be totally butchering the reason but that's how i remember it anyways so um he asked me to play guitar now jeffers i probably should have added this earlier jeffers did fill in on a couple a few shows when wrong the oppressor was around the first time uh we did a road trip to wisconsin with him and uh, somewhere else but i can't remember where and to the point where like on the way back from wisconsin as so there's toll booths on i-94 shut up from uh from Wisconsin to Chicago, there's like regular just a toll booth. You'd roll up and throw 50 cents or whatever in the basket and keep going. So we did that, and as we're pulling away from the toll booth, something in the drive shaft broke. So we'd go coasting over to the side of the road, hop out of the van and watch the drive shaft come rolling up to us. So that was awesome. So we got towed to a Pep Boys, and we had a, a lovely bonding experience there. Benny and I did behind the Pep Boys getting drunk on The cheapest beer we get our hands on and then we we all we all got sick from like a papa john's so we had to get a hotel to wait for the part to come in the yolk broke and uh so while we're waiting for that we spend the night there eat papa john's everybody got sick and then we drove back benny benny had to throw the door open on the side of the i-90 and he had drank like a purple gatorade kind of deal or whatever he just showered the side of the highway with purple drink
4: <laughs>
1: it's disgusting.
4: <laughs>
1: so that all right. Anyways, that was the highlight of that particular on the oppressor trip. Um so Jeff, I, you know, I'd played with Jeffers through that a little bit, and we all have seen have known each other for years. So he asked me to play guitar, uh, Ruben to play bass. Um at the when we first got together, Danny Frazier was on second guitar, and then Jay singing and Mike on drums. And at the time, Danny was dealing with some drama with, I don't remember if it was his fiance or girlfriend, and like, I don't remember if she was pregnant or maybe, there might have been a kid involved or something. Um, And uh, he just couldn't do the band reliably. So we ended up getting beer off to play guitar. And we were off and running pretty quickly there. Our first show was with Hatebreed and Sick of It All at Showplace. So, uh, I mean, that's as good a start to a band as I can think. Go
4: yeah.
1: um put a bunch of shows we did that uh ep on rob antonucci's label um and i can't remember the name of it right now but it was like a six seven song ep
3: luchador and
1: was a luchador
3: yeah okay. luchador yeah
1: L- luchador records yeah that sounds right um did that played a bunch of shows and w- pretty quickly. I feel like we had the uh, the offer for a, an LP on Reaper. So I mean, we just started trying to crank out as many songs as we could, which is both a good thing and bad thing, in my opinion. It's a good thing that we needed the songs. It's a bad thing because I don't I don't do well when when the songwriting's rushed. But mm-hmm. you doing
4: uh, most of the writing?
1: Yeah, for face the. Of- well, for all the bands except for Lockjaw, that was that was kind of by committee. But um, going all the way back, ceasefire, I wrote most of it. Billy would write a, a couple of bass lines here, there, and stuff. Um, Lockjaw with Lockjaw. Wrong the oppressor. Again, a couple of bass lines. The very first couple of songs, I think Ben wrote. But other than that, I wrote all of it. Devil's Advocate, almost all of that, and then Face to the Panic. There's like a half of one song that Danny wrote. And then on one of the songs on the LP, Ruben wrote that. And this is as far as music. Like, obviously, I'm not taking credit for drums or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I've written the majority of all the material. <laughs> but I'm kind of slow. Like, I don't know. My, my process is I don't try to rush it. But, you know, when you got four other people standing there going, all right, we got to write an LP, you just kind of got to do it. And uh, so as a result, like that LP, I'm happy with about half of it. Um, yeah. I think it's good stuff. The other half of it is kind of for what it is, a lot of it was just written on the spot. Mm-hmm. Just okay. Yeah. But that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, you, it's were fun- you? Sorry, go on.
1: It's funny because, like, some of the songs that I think were written hastily or, you know, my best output or whatever you want to call it, other people have said that's my favorite song on the record. So it just goes to show you, you know.
0: Yeah. You're not a good judge of yourself. I <laughs> guess not. <laughs> <laughs> you can't judge yourself. <laughs> were, you in, from- were you in? Were you in? Space Bank till the end?
1: Yep. Right till the end,
0: <laughs> how did that band end up um, band? <laughs> well, do we need to talk about this or should we talk about it
1: no nah, it's <laughs> fine it's it's been a long time and i've i'm I've come to peace with with how everything happened with that i guess yeah. i didn't handle I did handle things the best, and if you ask other people involved, maybe they didn't handle it the best either. I don't know if it uh, give me one second.
4: <laughs>
1: he's just sitting there crying at me i don't know why he, he just ate like a half hour ago when i got home anyways he's <clears throat> eating right now Fuck yeah. anyway all right um all right so Ruben left the band after the we did a, a couple week long tour to california and back and he just didn't i don't know he wasn't really Well, if you know... I don't know how to say this delicately, because I like Ruben. I'm not trying to talk shit or anything. But but when Ruben gets into certain moods, he can be difficult to get along with, especially when you're 3,000 miles away from home living out of a van. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing I can say for sure, I don't think anybody would argue with, Face to Panic had a lot of big personalities. And Mm -hmm. inevitably, every once in a while, people would just butt heads. Whether it be... Ruben wanted to bo- do things with the booking one way, and Jeffers wanted to do them another, or, you know, pick your poison, I guess. But um, that, yeah. that specific snare is what came to head first. And uh, Ruben ended up leaving the band, and we got Nick Gonzalez to play bass, who uh, i had gotten to know quite well from uh, working at McGarris as a bouncer. And then Jay and Aaron were already in a band with him called the Bertleman. So we all knew him, except for. Mike I guess but I think Mike knew him from around two and then um, so we, we did a bunch of shows we played in like Puerto Rico uh, did a small weekend with Terror through the Midwest stuff like that and then it got to a point where I don't even remember why exactly but it just Mike's time the band came to an end and we ended up getting Jesse Moscato who played all two shows with us um, Jesse had just had Anthony his son so you know, it, it's tough doing anything in a band with a small child. Jesse would be late to practice. You know, he'd get out of work late, have to run home, help out with a kid real quick, then try to get to practice. And sometimes he was like an hour late or an hour and a half or something like that. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't really bother me too much, but Jay didn't care for it. And it just kind of came to a point where Jay didn't want to do it anymore, and we definitely weren't going to replace the singer and try to keep going, on, going with that. So we just uh, called it quits after that. Yeah. Um, And our last show was with, uh, I think it was our times last show too, right?
3: Oh, better right? times. Better times, sorry. Was it better times? I don't know. One of those
0: I times. That was our I times. Was, I was the times. Times bands. Yeah,
3: yeah. It was our times. You're right.
1: At that basement off of Elmwood. Oh, and I got to it's It sucks because oh. it was like, at, so we played a show in Erie with Jesse where it was kind of sloppy. I think it was with Terror. Mm-hmm. and um, we hadn't really worked out all the, the kinks yet of, of working in a new drummer. But between that show and our last show, we actually went through and worked on every change and you know transition and all that kind of shit. And when we played that fucking show at that basement, man, I thought we sounded amazing. Yeah. yeah. A- and uh, it just sucked that that was our last show. I don't think there's any video or anything of that either. So for all I know, it could be garbage, and I'm just remembering it with... Was- remembering it fondly but yeah um
3: i i remember uh, her sounding really good
0: all right let's move it along here guys yeah
3: so there's that and then so
1: that left a sour taste on my mouth as far as like i've never i'd had bands end obviously but yeah. nothing on that that bad of a note before so i was just kind of like well that sucks i don't know so i sold most of my gear um, and I was lucky enough to sell my my amp to Chris Gieski, who kind of runs like a hardcore dropout fund, if you want to call it that, for uh, for dudes with uh, that just want to get rid of their gear. Because he held on to it the entire time, and he uh, didn't sell it. I mean, he might have used it as a recording stuff like that because he has a small studio in his house. But um, came time he needed some electrical work done, they were putting an addition on their house, and they needed a new main service too. So I ended up doing a good chunk of the work for a trade to get my amp back. This was right around the time that wreckage was starting or I joined wreckage, which is (laughs) a nice segue into that. Uh, So I I ended up getting it back all the same stuff that worked out pretty well. Um, All right. So fast forward, like, I don't know, about five, five and a half years or so, Jesse got a hold of me. Uh, Nick Racino was leaving wreckage. I uh, couldn't do it anymore for whatever reason. I don't think he just wanted to anymore. I think I think the story was he didn't like how the the music was trending. It was more metal as opposed to like a hardcore kind of thing. Or maybe he just didn't want to do it anymore. I can't remember. I might mm-hmm. be I might be uh, mixing up like what Dan Cross wanted didn't want to do anymore either. Mm-hmm.
3: But uh, so they asked me to play. I think um, that's why Dan quit because like he didn't like the direction. I think Nick was going to school at that time. He just couldn't have. He didn't have time for it. He's going like, okay. Hpex, uh, like, that. Yeah, a variety of life reasons between the two of them. Then yeah.
1: So okay, so yeah, I said I'd do it. Now this is this is me coming out of guitar playing retirement too, and you can say a lot of things about wreckage, but those songs are not easy to play, and it took me a while to get them down to get my chops back on guitar. Yeah, and uh, but it was fun. I, I liked uh, I liked doing that band. I didn't really like they had already had established songs and um it was tough for me to to just jump in there and and do that stuff haven't been off if you want to call it that for so long but Mm -hmm. uh it was fun you know i got to play with judge with that band that's that's definitely a thing that i never thought i'd be able to say i was ever going to do yeah yeah black x played the show and so did uh
0: longest war
2: longest war yeah i remember when you were first starting when you were first starting back and you were, like, learning the record songs, you are like, it's so fucking annoying. I don't know why all these songs have to have all these little tweaks from <laughs> verse to verse. And you were, like, so bummed out about it, and then when you figured it out, you were, like, this is really fucking cool. I really like the way these are written.
0: Yeah.
1: It, okay, so now add add a little bit of a, a benefit of hindsight out of that, too. All that's true. It, it is a pain in the ass to learn. It's also cool, but at the same time, as far as, like, putting a song out to the, for the public to digest, it's a bit much, I think.
4: Yeah.
1: It's just so much to it that the average listener is it, it just going to get disinterested because there's so many fucking parts. Yeah. So, the, the newer songs that weren't released that were written while I was in the band were had, had a bit of an emphasis on, on kind of dumbing it down a little bit. That's a bad choice of word, I think, but that's literally what we were trying to do is just dumb it down to a point where I think you're looking for simplify.
2: uh,
1: (laughs) All right. Simplify works.
2: Streamline.
1: Make make it a little more palatable to the, to somebody that was only going to, you know, because most records people only listen to a handful of times before they decide whether or not they're ever going to listen to it again in their life. If that, Mm -hmm. and if if they listen to it three times and they can't remember the fucking first song they listened to by the time you get to the end of the record, you know, it's just probably a bit much. So we wanted to streamline it and and cut down on the confusion rate I guess of listening to these songs and the last three songs we wrote I thought were pretty cool but uh, they never as far as I'm aware anyways they never got recorded or anything so they're just floating out there <laughs> but th- so during the time that wreckage uh, I was in wreckage uh, wrong the oppressor the, the somebody floated the idea of doing a wrong the oppressor reunion show just a one-off kind of deal which was in 2016 and uh, we we had fun doing it. So we just decided to keep going and, you know, that's, it's been a very part-time thing, even when it was, you know, we were still practicing probably once a week or so mm-hmm. very casual, but it was just meant to be fun. So that, that we only think we only written three new songs in the uh, six years that that had been going on. So, but I think they're cool songs. No yeah. rush. We'll see what happens with that going forward. And then I also spent a little bit of time. I played like three or four shows in Long swore, But if you were to ask me, I was never actually in that band. But they might say differently.
0: Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's, that's a sweeper, story. That's that's a, a sweeper as far, story? As far as bands go, that's the sweeper story.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, So
0: here's a question.
3: If you could set up your own band right now with just Buffalo dudes, like anyone you wanted. Who would you put in it? There's a lot of. All right, let's let's, let's strip out
1: some some factors like how, maybe, I don't know, maybe how weird people are, like just anybody, regardless of how crazy they are in general. Just talent, maybe just Def- go by talent. Definitely uh, Jesse on drums, one hundred percent. Yeah. Talents probably Hadlock on guitar. Mm-hmm. That dude can write some shit. I mean, he'd need to be reined in on some of the crazy craziness, you know, like the extra transitions and stuff. But um, you're Wolf on bass. As far as singers, I don't know. I mean, I guess technically Vogel's a Buffalo guy now. He, yeah, he's back to know. being a Buffalo guy. So, I mean. I don't think anybody would argue with that choice, but
0: um what? No, Steve Titus, <laughs> the Thunder of Truth. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know
1: who the singer would be. Like, Scott's the obvious choice, I think. But beyond that, I don't know.
0: Other than Vogel,
1: <laughs> I mean, Mark could be an excellent singer. I think. Yeah. There you go, Mark. Derek too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
3: So probably be friends with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know. think, I think, I think uh, Scott would probably be the obvious choice. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious. It's an obvious choice for a reason.
2: Yeah, but you know, you don't fuck with the classics, man. Yeah, it. You know, it works.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like you can say a lot of things about whatever bands have ever done, but like I, I have no interest in doing in a serious capacity anyways, bands that aren't hardcore bands and yeah. bands that aren't with people that I'm not friends with already. Um it's it's supposed to be fun. And when the fun gets taken out of it, I get my my interest goes down real quick. Which is kind of like what started to happen in the end of face of panic, especially.
4: Yeah.
1: Um like when that band started, you know, we all had our own little jobs. Mike was gonna obviously put drones, but he was also gonna book the shows. Jay wrote the lyrics You know, Aaron did solos, Ruben did bass and also helped book shows and stuff like that. And it was my job to write the majority of the the songs and make sure they were tight. And I was perfectly happy within that role. But when it got to the point where Jeffers left the band, all of a sudden, you know, it kind of started to become more of my job to try to help book stuff. And it's, it's not that I don't have contacts out of town, but the contacts that I did have Either didn't do shows anymore, or were just casual, you know, more friends than anything. Like, yes, they could point me in certain directions. I remember one time, like, it was, it was asked of me, "Hey, what can you see? What you can do about getting some shows?" So I sat down one night and I blasted out about fifty emails. I didn't get one fucking reply. Now I understand that that's just kind of part of it, but you know, I spent God, I bet you six hours sitting there trying to fire off all these emails. And not just have like a copy and paste kind of thing where it was the same thing to everybody, you know. Yeah. Most of, most of these people I knew at some capacity at one point or another. I wanted at least say hi and you know how things going and blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. make them personalized, not just fire off a bunch of bullshit. And I didn't get a, I didn't get one reply, so that was that was a bum, a, a huge bum out. Yeah, but I, I don't enjoy that that end of it either, like that one bit. And I don't envy the, the dudes that do all that groundwork and all that establishing contacts in all these cities and all that other stuff There's a lot of fucking work mm. and it's it's not work that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> kudos to, to all those people that that do that and do it well. So I don't know. <laughs> Great question, Derek. Did <laughs> I go off on a tangent there?
0: It's all right. Here, here's, yeah, a, it, here's a here's a here's a here's the ghost of Chris Wyatt uh asking a question. Would you consider yourself to be a positive person? Not really. <laughs> you can't elaborate? Um,
1: I try sometimes to see the, the 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 bright side and stuff, and you know,
0: think you found out there isn't one.
1: <laughs> I was I was thinking that I was not gonna. <laughs> I should just listen to that. Like, and it came up on random in my car on my way back from Lockport. But yeah, uh, yeah, I I don't know, I. I uh, let me put it this way, I guess. So the older I get, the more I find kind of re- retreating back into my own little shell as yeah. opposed to being a social person because present company excluded so like you know the more time you spend with people, inevitably the more disappointed you end up. At least that's what I how I found things to be.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I could oh, I said present company excluded. <laughs> <laughs> I could always hang out with Alex and have a good time. But yeah. uh That doesn't mean, I I don't know, man. I just, I find myself being more and more of a recluse stewarder, I get. Get it? So what that has to do with being positive or not, I'm not sure, but it's not a good thing.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So let's let's shift gears. Here's a question for you, Sweeper. Favorite post-2000 hardcore band?
1: In Buffalo or just in general?
0: In general. Terror. After Terror.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, Second favorite.
0: <laughs> terror is I the easy know. answer.
1: I liked Trapped Under Ice quite a bit, especially their later stuff. They were cool dudes to play shows with because, I mean, uh, Face of Panic played a few few of them in that Midwest thing that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, bands that existed in the 2000s or started after 2000.
0: Started after 2000. Oof. Uh,
1: I, liked, I like uh, I like File a lot. Yeah. Um, I got into them more after they broke up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I really I really enjoy their songwriting and their lyrics are top notch.
4: Yeah.
1: Um. I wish there were more current bands on this list.
0: Listen to end it.
1: Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of them, but yeah.
0: You I'll should listen just, to end it.
1: <laughs> shoot, me, shoot me a link and I'll check it out. I will. Um, <laughs> Buffalo stuff. I mean, I like a lot of stuff that's going on in Buffalo right now. I think uh, Exhibition is real cool. I like Smash and Grab. Yeah. Um, spaced is is a little different but i like i think that the handful of times i've seen them i thought they were all right Mm -hmm. um it's cool to see a younger generation of of buffalo bands and and people you know younger by extension younger people doing these bands like getting out there and and, uh getting on the road and, and having the same good times that i had so many years ago yeah um i think that's awesome
0: I kind of feel like there was like a there was a break where there was like buf, no Buffalo bands doing fucking nothing for a long for a long time, yeah. and now there's a bunch doing a bunch of things now, which is cool. There was
1: a, there was a long time where it was just the same dudes that did all the bands in the '90s doing shit in like the 2000 and what 13 or you know something like that. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, there was the uh, funeral home era of stuff that was going on around then, like um, rhinoceros and. Uh, uh, Dave Starr's band at the time. I, I don't know why I'm spaced out. Rivalry? Ra- well, Rivalry, but then the one you did at uh, Wild, Wild Crocodile.
0: Crocodile. Oh, Wild Crocodile. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, they, play, they played a bunch of shows there. Like, stuff like that was going on, but that was definitely a, a low spot, I think, in, in the Buffalo area scene type no, stuff. Those
0: bands were, weren't really getting out there and like touring and stuff or anything like that.
2: Well, around that time, You're they Malfunction, right. too, who were, you know, they were fairly aggressive with all that stuff.
0: Well, Malfunction, yeah, they were you know there's always an exception to every you know thing like
2: that yeah yeah KDC. I, never, I, I never really knew those kdc dudes.
0: yeah you're right kdc
1: yeah i like kdc i didn't yeah. see him as much as like at the same time it kind of coincided with when i wasn't doing bands i, I was noticeably absent from a lot of shows too i feel mm-hmm. i don't know maybe i just needed a break from stuff for a little bit or whatever but
0: it happens it happens, like, man. Yeah. Have we got anything else, guys?
4: Uh, oh, you were saying meow. you said you
0: like you like Science Man, too. Love
1: Science Man. That that that's probably my favorite band in Buffalo right now. What do you like about them? Um, I like that they're different. They they're still definitely like hardcore punk or whatever, but the, I don't, I can't think of any bands that they sound like. Yeah, that, you know what I mean, like. I mean, I'm aware of how the band started with with John doing everything himself, and then it expanded into a full band to play out live with. And uh, the one, the one, I don't know, thing that I'm not good with them. I don't, I'm not sure which songs are older of theirs because I kind of just got into it all at the same time, maybe a year ago. And uh, so I'm not sure which ones of theirs are older versus newer. So I, I can't really tell which ones were written by John alone or if he still writes it all alone and then he just kind of brings it to the band as a finished product um, versus the newer ones, which I would assume were more written as a band as opposed to just a one, one person thing. Yeah.
3: Um, I
1: think, I think, I think the the process of writing an entire song start to finish by yourself, like for all the instruments now, that's interesting. I've never done it cause I can't play drums for shit, but um, I'd be interested in learning and, and trying to do something like that in the future. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, John is a really interesting dude because he's obviously, he's always had a foot, you know, in like the, the waters of the punk and hardcore scenes for years and years. But also he's very clearly interested in a lot of other stuff as well. So it it makes him do some pretty interesting stuff. In, yeah. Which every project he does is real interesting. It's well, nice. all
1: right. Science Man is the main one that I'm familiar with. Uh, maybe I'll have to check out the other ones. But uh, I, I really like how it all comes together with with uh, the the whole band because I mean I love John Angelo, he's a good dude. I like Steve too, um, great guy. Uh, and Biff is cool. I don't really know their their current other guitar player, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, I mean the four people that I know in the band I love. So I mean it, it's it was easy for me to grasp onto just because of the personal relationships I have with those guys, and uh, the fact that I like the band made it even better. So. That was cool. It was it was a pleasant surprise the first time I saw them because I feel like I kind of ignored it for a long time. Um, I feel like for a long time he was just playing out as him and like having the backing tracks and he would just get up there and sing. Right?
3: I, I think there was like a moment of that. Yeah. Unless I'm confusing that with another project he did, which could be too, because he 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 does a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's in a few different yeah. bands right now
3: yeah so so i could be confusing that like the idea of just i
1: mean it it might come off awesome maybe maybe i'd be pleasantly surprised but as i sit here right now if somebody were describing me like what what i'm about to see is is a dude with backing tracks get up there and sing over his backing tracks that probably wouldn't be too interesting to me i like the whole band dynamic and the energy that you get from that so yeah and science man is that iteration is fantastic
0: yeah
3: do you, uh do you listen to them recorded at all? Like I have their LP. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. I have to check I have to check out the recording. I I still have not but uh I know live I, I really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm.
4: Unfortunately, like it's, it's
1: not a thing anymore, but that do one day bar over on uh, yeah. uh, by the, water, uh, the by the river there. Yeah. They recently cleaned house and fired all of the Kind of the, the punk and hardcore dudes that they had working there. That the owner wants to take it and appeal to a different clientele. So it being a high end punk clubhouse is over, I guess. But uh, I thought seeing shows there were awesome too because like Hourglass played there over the summer, and so did I. Thought I probably saw Science Man three or four times there this year alone there.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was it was a cool spot for those and good hangout. Yeah. But I guess I will have to do it somewhere else now.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep all right yeah i think we'll wrap it up do you have any Let's questions see. for us um.